Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Noah Needed Now by Pastor Sean Good. Let us pray as we prepare to come around God's Word. Our Father, we just thank you for the power that is in your Word and it is our daily bread. We're desperate for you, Lord. Desperate to know and see more of you. So as we unpack your word, I I pray that you would open our spiritual eyes and open our spiritual ears, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have your Bibles. We're going to kind of jump around all over the place a little bit this morning. We're going to start in Matthew 24 and work our way back into Genesis. Uh, In a few short weeks... Uh, myself and our family will celebrate uh, the first birthday of our grandson. Thank you to everybody that said you look far too young to be a grandfather. God bless you. And I'm, I'm well aware that uh, of a historical event, there was a moment when Winston Churchill, just after a very important meeting, uh, one of his generals turned to him and said, uh, Sir, have I ever told you about my grandchildren? And Churchill turned to him and said, No, and I thank you for it. <laughs> <laughs> However, uh, reflecting back, uh, I can remember when we first received the news that Prince George was coming and uh, as Sophie said, you know, uh, I'm pregnant and of course, uh, you know what all that, for the mums in the room, we know what all that means and and so uh, after some weeks, uh, uh, there's a scan and they send you photos of the scan and you go, that's a great photo of an alien but where's the baby? (laughs) And uh, after some time, uh, you talk about it and you hear about it and you know there's signs, right? Like, uh, the belly starts to go like this, and that's, and sometimes that happens for the mum too. <laughs> but there's signs that something's going on, but there comes a point, and uh, most mothers and grandparents in here will know that there comes a point where you begin to live today like the baby's actually here. The nursery begins to get painted, the cot gets set up, clothes are brought and put into the cupboard and your daily life changes. The baby hasn't arrived officially yet, hasn't officially arrived. There's a beautiful uh, life that's uh, growing inside, of course, but the the reality is the baby hasn't arrived, but you're living like the baby's here. And then the baby comes, of course, and it's all wonderful. Today I want to talk about a man that speaks to our day. And there was a time when he took God's word and lived in the day as though God's word was real then. Many of us, uh, I said this last Sunday night, I hear often we're living in the last days. Interesting fact, every generation of Christian over the last 2,000 years has said we're living in the last days. So the reality is you might be, and the reality is, it could be 2,000 years away. If you read the epistles, the apostles thought they were living in the last days. And every generation since, and we're 2,000 years closer, I get that, and there's signs. But when I looked at Scripture, uh, I went all the way back to Noah's time, and we're going to go there in a moment, and I realised something, that the days of Noah are too far removed from the days of today. And if we fast forward, we're going to, we're going to have a look at some epistles that speak of Noah, we're going to realise that, you know what, Ecclesiastes was right. There's never anything new under the sun. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 24, 
<laughs> most people fight the most about the book of Revelation, Matthew 24, and of course the first pages of the Bible in Genesis, and we'll go to some of those first pages in a moment. And most people fight about timing, but for the moment, let's just put all of our thoughts about timing and Matthew 24 and Revelations and all that, let's just put that in the bin for the moment, because there's a reality in these words, and the reality is that the, Jesus gave these words to his disciples, and they meant something to the disciples then. They meant something for the last 2,000 years, and they mean something to us today. Regardless of timing, they mean something to us today. Let's let's read what I want to read in context, and uh, verse 32 of Matthew 24 from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. And so Jesus is saying, when you see these things, we if we go back to the pregnancy analogy, when you begin to see certain things, uh, we're not going to point them out, ladies, but when you begin to see certain things, you know the time is near. Verse 33, so also when you see all these things, which Jesus has just spoken about, you know that he is near, he's at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away. The the word generation there can be used in two different ways. Uh, First way is a qualitative way, and the second way is quantitative. All that means is quantitative means that there's time frames that surround that word. We're going to, in a moment, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 6 and we're going to read the generations of Noah and there's time frames that surround that. What, what the Bible's telling us is that in certain time frames, events happen. A qualitative can speak to the condition of man or the condition of a certain group of people at that time. This scripture applied to the disciples there and then, but it has a message for us today. Heaven and earth will not pass away, but my words... Heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will not pass away. Verse 36, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows. And that's what's important this morning. As we as we begin to work towards this, uh, any cuckoo cachoos you find on YouTube or Facebook or wherever you find them that say that they've done the algebraic con- conversions of, of Revelation and, and they've seen everything lining up and they can tell you that we're coming to the pointy end, they're wrong. Amen. Let's be clear. And, and i tell you why. Uh, the thrust of scripture isn't about the timing. The thrust and the message of scripture isn't about you'll know the exact time. The thrust is how we should be living no matter the time. Uh, Vance Havner was an early 1900s preacher in uh, rural America. Great guy. (laughs) Google Vance Havner, great guy. But he said these words, every Christian should be living this morning as though Jesus was coming back this afternoon. And if you pause for a moment and think about that, that would radically change how you live your life this morning, right? If you knew for certain that Jesus was coming back at five o'clock tonight, we're all going to KFC for lunch, right? (laughs) We're going to wash it down with some pizza. (laughs) And do some weird and wonderful things to cats, Pastor Liz. But this this isn't about timing. 
Because Jesus goes on and says, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father knows the timing. Verse 37, for as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. As were the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Noah, two questions we're going to ask and answer today. Uh, What were the days of Noah like and how does that apply to us today? And the next one we're going to ask is, who was Noah and how did he impact his generation? The New Testament has some really uh, important stuff to say about Noah. Uh, Second Peter says that Noah was a herald of righteousness. We don't have any records in scripture of him preaching. Some history books take a stab at it. But he certainly had a message by the way he lived, right? Uh, The title for today's message is Noah is Needed Now. Why? Before we go any further, I want to make it clear. Uh, This is part of the Reaching Out series. The greatest need on planet Earth right now is for the men, women, the children of God to live in the reality of heaven today, right here, now. And it is for us to bring to bear on this generation. We're going to see that Noah does this. He brings to bear the reality of God on his time and his generation. And that's the call on each one of us. How did he do that? We'll have a look at that. As it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be the days of the coming of the Son of Man. What's the context? What is Jesus telling us? For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Don't take that. We're still going to get married today. It's okay. (laughs) If Jesus was coming at five o'clock this afternoon, you would still be getting married, brother. That's okay. (laughs) Until the day when Noah entered the ark, what is Jesus trying to teach us? It came on them like a thief in the night. The whole generation is going about their life as if there's no concern or regard for God. Wow, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? It does. So what were the days of Noah like? Hmm. Let's have a read. If you find your way to Genesis chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse 5. I know everybody wants to go through the first four verses and ask questions like who are the Nephilim and what's going on there, but that's, that's a message for another day. What we arrive at, chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Have a listen to some of these words. And that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Verse 6. I mean, this is this smacks you in the face, right? The Lord was sorry that he had made man on earth. Such was the perverseness. Such was the wickedness. Uh, What is being led to here is that every purpose, every desire, every intention, every thought of mankind was only evil the whole time. Wow. We read on and it says, And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. I think we've lost this message. Two things I think we've lost amongst the church. Firstly, I think we've lost the holiness of God. R.C. Sproul writes a book, The Holiness of God, and think what you like of R.C. Sproul, but you'll crawl under the table and hide when you read that book. We've lost the holiness, the gravity of God's holiness, and we've also lost the knowledge of how our sin actually affects God. We think that God's like this big iron man in the sky and everything just bounces off. But what we read here is it aggrieved him to his heart. Yes. So offensive, so hurtful 
was the intentions in the heart of man. God was grieved that he'd ever made man. Verse 7, so the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. God has reached the point where he is sorry that he has made man on earth. I'm going to press the pause button for a moment before we get to Noah. We've just read about the days of Noah. We've read about a generation of people going back many thousands of years that had no regard for God. We've read about a generation of people that are not only evil, they celebrate it. We've read about a people who not only are evil and have no regard for God, but they don't care. Well, hang on, have I just described the days of Noah or have I just described the times that we're living in now? Have I just described the days of Noah or have I just described the days when Jesus was walking the earth as well? What's changed? We live in a very similar generation to when Noah did. We live in a time now, sin is a very dirty word today. In fact, I can remember very recent events where uh, the CEO of Essendon was fired in the same day that he was hired. Work that one out. Hired and fired in the same day because he goes to a church that 10 years ago preached a certain message and said that a certain lifestyle was sin. Okay. But when the pastor was interviewed, the person that was interviewing him said... You said that was sin. That's hate speech. You see, sin today has become hate speech. We're intolerant for declaring the truth. We live in a generation today that says, I want to do evil, I want to do things my way, and I don't want you to call me out. We live in a society today that is relativistic. What does that mean? It means that what is good for you is good for you. You do you, Terry. If, if that's moral for you, you do you. How did that work out in World War II? We live in a time today that is not so far separate from the times of Noah. We live in a time today when people have no thought of God. For those that read the pastor's comments this morning, we live. the greatest work of the enemy is to convince everybody inside the church they're going to hell and to convince everybody outside the church that they're okay and they're going to heaven. You talk to people out on the street. They don't know what sin is. They don't know that there's a problem. They don't know the fact is that they need a saviour. That's the same as Noah's days. We're going to read about a man that prepares for a flood in calm weather. Here's a word that's really prominent today, conspiracy theorist. Noah's the first conspiracy theorist. Noah stood up in a generation and said, I'm going to build a boat nowhere near the coast amongst a people that had never even knew what rain was. He said, I'm going to build a boat because there's a flood coming and God's going to judge the earth. And Noah went about building his boat right up until the day the flood came. But I love the story of Noah because there's great hope in the story of Noah. We might live in wicked times. Yes, nothing's changed. I understand that what was, what was unspoken a generation ago is celebrated and shouted from the rooftops today. In all forms of society, we're, we're celebrating wickedness and evil and sin. And, and I drove taxis, I drove night shift in taxis for six years. Friends, you can't scare me or surprise me anymore. I've seen 
what happens when the lights go out. But why is there hope? Because just in the days of Noah, there was hope, and there's hope today. Why? Because I love verse 8. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, one commentator says beautifully that we really should reverse that because the word favour there is grace. And he says the sentence should read, grace found Noah. That in a wicked and evil generation, a man found grace. That in a wicked and evil generation, a man decided, I'm going to base my life and I'm going to believe in God no matter the consequences. Imagine the ridicule that he would have received. Imagine the comments and the taunts that he would have received. 120 years, he builds a boat in the middle of nowhere. Noah found grace. Do you know, before we read anything more about Noah, before we hear about how obedient Noah is, before we read the fact that he was a righteous man, before we read about the fact that he was a man that walked with God, we understand one thing, the transforming power in Noah's life was grace. Nothing's changed. We need God's grace. I need God's grace. Every day I open my eyes, I feel like, God, you've got to save me all over again. I need your grace. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord and these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man and I said this before over communion. Righteousness is not something that you earn or that you work for. Uh, we're going to go to a chapter in a minute that talks about faith. We're going to realise uh, what the Bible's been trying to tell us the whole time is that a relationship with God is not based on what you do. It's all based on his mercy and his grace and it's about receiving, not earning. It's about receiving and not building. You're not building a righteousness. You're not trying to form your own righteousness. You just receive what Jesus has done. And so he was a righteous man. He was blameless. What does that mean? We read that about Job. Job was blameless and upright. But what does it mean? It means about the priorities and the intentions of the heart. Uh, Blameless is all about the orientation of the heart. doesn't mean you're completely perfect. doesn't mean you're completely sinless. But it means your heart is orientated forever towards God. I've got a question this morning. Does that describe you? Does that describe the, is your heart orientated towards God? I remember uh, one of the checkups I had at the doctor, I used to have to have medicals to drive taxis and the doctor said, uh, he said, just out of notice, he says, uh, you've got a heart murmur. And I said, that's great news. And he said, how's that great news? I said, I've got a heart. (laughs) So for all of you that are wondering, I've got medical proof. He was blameless in his generation, but Noah walked with God. And this isn't the first time we read this in the Bible. It won't be the last time. What does it mean to walk with God? I love this word because uh, we're going to unpack it more as we go along. Walking with God is about keeping your life in step or in union with. Walking with God means close proximity to. That's what that word walking with. You keep yourself in close proximity. Enoch walked with God. He's another man that chose in an evil generation to keep in close proximity to God. But here's the greatest hope. We're going to begin to unpack this a little bit more. What I love about Noah, the hope that I find in Noah is, do you know what? In an evil generation, 
in a time that had forgotten about God and had no regard for God. And that does describe our days in many ways. But in those days, there was a man that found intimacy with God. That's profound. You see, by the time we get to chapter 7, I love these words. By the time we get to chapter 7, verse 1, every translation, if you you read it, I'll I'll read mine for you and then I'll show you where it's wrong. It says, then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark. That's wrong. It's not what God said. The actual Hebrew sounds like this. And the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark. God was already in there. Here's a man tossed on the ocean Day after day, week after week. But in all of that tumult, doesn't that describe our life sometimes? In all of that tumultual upheaval, he finds intimacy in the presence of God. I think that's profound. We're going to fast forward and have a little bit more of a look at the life of Noah in a moment. But can I step forward 2,000 years? Can I step forward into the time of Christ? And I see this all again. Here I see, even in our own day, what is the message that comes to us today? We see this again and again and again. And what we see is that in a wicked and tumultuous time, that intimacy with God is available. You see, God has prepared another ark. Noah prepared this ark. Noah built it with his hands. The word says that The Lord shut him in. Fast forward to our day. God has prepared another ark. His name is Jesus. And for every person that will heed the words of God and come in to the ark. God's already in there, by the way. There is intimacy that awaits each and every person. And you will be safe. No matter the deluge outside, you will be safe in the ark of Jesus Christ. When we get to the book of Romans chapter 1, Paul makes it very clear. You are either in Christ or you're under God's wrath. That's the same as Noah's days. By the time the flood comes, what's the story? The story is you are either in the ark or you're under God's wrath. That's offensive today. You can take this as a prophecy if you like. There's going to come a day here in Australia, and it's almost at the doorstep now, where if I use the word sin from behind the pulpit, I can be booked, fined, and locked up for it. We're, right. we're that close to it now. That's right. That's right. And we as the people of God have a choice to make. No matter what happens on the outside, no matter what everybody else is doing, I'm going into the ark. And I'm going to take everybody into the ark that I can take with me. I'm leaving the cats, Liz. The cats came sometime after. Around about the Egyptians, they, did, they descended from aliens somewhere and came... <laughs> Conspiracy theorists, right? I know. (laughs) But it's biblical now. (laughs) The the cats wouldn't have survived on the ark, right? Now the earth, if we read on, Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth. 
Verse 11, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. The earth was filled with violence. Hmm. I've stopped watching the news. <laughs> I get the headlines if I need them, but I've stopped watching the news because there's only bad stuff on there. And they only report one side. I've decided I need some good news. I'd rather spend an hour here than watching what's going on around the world or at least somebody's perspective of what's going on around the world. I have great hope because you know what? No matter what fills the TV screens, I know that God is in control. And when we went through the book of Revelation, I understood, and I hope we all did, that, that God is still seated on the throne. He's not, he's not been moved. He's, nobody's taken his position. And whatever's happening in Ukraine, whatever's happening in Russia, whatever threat might come from China, God's unmoved. I'm in the ark. I'm taking everybody that I can find. I'm going to ask you in our Reaching Out series, I want to challenge everybody to invite as many people as you can to get on the ark. If we have to, we'll kick the animals off and we'll just fill it with humans. Verse 12, And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, and all flesh had corrupted their way. That's a really important verse. They corrupted their way. Nobody else did it for them. We live in a generation today that's looking to blame everybody else except themselves for the, for the problems that they have. Inside church circles, we're trying to go back to our generations of our fathers, fathers, fathers. Father. Six generations ago, my father sneezed over the altar and therefore I'm suffering today. That's, that's unbiblical. Every man will be responsible for their sins and you will, every, this generation is responsible for their sins. Every young person, I was a young person as well at some point, and believe it or not, uh, when the police know your first name, <laughs> and it's not sir or mister, hello, Sean, come in. We've got, there's your seat. <laughs> but there comes a point when you've got to stand flat-footed and take responsibility, right? And stop trying to find a back door. And this verse here, everything that happens to this generation, they corrupted their way. They had a choice. God is grieved. Why? Because he has given mankind a free choice. And look what we so often do with that free choice, right? It grieves him. God doesn't have a list of sins, by the way. A couple of things we need to clear off. Uh, God doesn't have a list where this is the most worst sin and this is the least. God doesn't have a list. All of it is repulsive to God. All of it is offensive to God. All of it. Sin just comes under one banner. Verse 12, And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, and all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. And so we read on, we know what happens, right? Sunday school hasn't really helped us grab the gravity of what happens here, but the reality is this was a very tumultuous time of planet earth but what's the message today don't we have a warning from god today did jesus not come and leave us all a warning yes. was that warning not you are either in christ or you are out i'm sorry if you're looking for a gray area this morning it doesn't exist there's no neutral territory with God. I'm sorry if you're looking for, for some kind of neutral back door where you can sit out on the porch and rock your way into heaven. It doesn't work like that. You're either in or you're out. Amen. Okay. The Bible makes that clear. Jesus makes that clear. 
And so the message is, you don't have to suffer. The message is, you don't have to be separate from God another day. The message is, you can know intimacy with God today. Now. Eternal life, said Jesus, is this. Chapter 17, verse 3 of the Gospel of John. Eternal life is this, that they may know you. That can start today. So, we ask ourselves, we've, un- we've uncovered what the days of Noah were like. We uncovered the fact that he had a warning just like we have a warning, right? There is a time coming. The whole world lives like it's not happening, right? Isn't it the same as the days of Noah? The whole world has no regard for God. And, and, and friends, we've got to be honest with ourselves. We've got to stand flat-footed inside of church circles and take some responsibility because what used to be sin a generation ago in the church has been yes. washed out. Come on. What we wouldn't tolerate in church circles a generation ago is celebrated today. Yeah, no, it's okay. Lord, have mercy. And what we call faith today, if we'd like to just... I'm going to read a quick verse from Hebrews 11. Because what Noah does is he takes God at his word. And I'm going to ask that we do the same. Have a look at what this looked like for Noah. Faith today has come to mean so many different things. Faith today has become, you know, this is how you get your new Mercedes and all that sort of stuff. And I want to tell you, friends, today, that's not what faith is. Faith is building a boat for 120 years when everybody else is out partying, right? Faith says, I'm going to choose God every morning I open my eyes. That's what faith is. Faith is going the long haul. Faith is, I'm going to walk with God today. Faith isn't about how you get anything from God. Faith is what you, how you respond to God's word. Faith is man's response to what God has said. And here's what Noah did. Let's, if I can read the first six verses of chapter 11 first, because they're very important. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. I'm looking. I, I'm going to be. I'm going to be flat out honest with you. I am looking for the commendation when I get up there. I am waiting. I, I am striving here on earth. For those that read the narrow road this morning, uh, I am striving here to shape my eternity. When I stand before Jesus, I am striving to hear the words, "Well done, good and faithful servant." But I want to hear that after He said that to all of you guys. You see, dying well means we live well. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Of course he does. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. I find it profound that man can even please God. But we can. How can we please God? Verse 6, and without faith it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw... Anybody want to be near to God this morning? Anybody want to draw closer to God this morning? Uh, 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 Whoever would draw near to God must believe 
that he exists. Step one, and that he rewards those who seek him. Verse seven, by faith, Noah. Isn't it interesting how next week we're going to talk about love. The greatest evangelical tool we have as the body of Christ is to love one another. Jesus says, they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What does the Bible say about love? How do we do that? Jesus didn't come to make a community just. He came to build a brotherhood. That's a, that's a big difference, by the way. Uh, brotherhood, and but that's for next week. But by faith, Noah, being warned of God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. We're going to come back through, work through this slowly. By this, this is, this is amazing, this verse. By this he condemned the world. Come back to that word. And he became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Noah. Living in faith, Noah, as a response to what God has said, It changed his life. Remember, we go back to the pregnancy analogy. Noah believed God and it changed his life from that moment on. Remember some years ago, listening to the testimony of a man called Matt Chandler. Matt Chandler runs a pretty big church in America. And Matt Chandler, at a very young age, was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer in his frontal lobe. He's had a frontal lobectomy. Cut the front half of his brain out, basically. He was given four years to live. That was nearly 20 years ago. He says, by God's grace, he was spared. But while he was going through the treatment, and not long after his diagnosis, another pastor, John Piper, flew down. And he's driving around, spending time. And he said... He said to Matt in the car, he says, how you going? How you going? You know, how you coping and all that sort of stuff. I mean, imagine if you're in those shoes. And Matt said, whoa, whoa, whoa. He said, John, he said, I'm okay. He said, don't ever forget. He said, we're all terminal. He says, my time frames have just been reduced. The reality is, none of us in this room are guaranteed our next heartbeat. And if we grabbed the reality of the warning that God left us, it would change how we live our life each and every day. It changed how Noah lived his life. Let's unpack this. By faith, Noah being warned of God. We've had the same warning, right? I'm not going to water down that warning. And the warning is simply this. You have the free, willing opportunity to place your faith and trust in the person of Jesus Christ and escape the wrath of God, or there will be a day when you will stand before him. I'm not going to water that down this morning. I'm not going to remove that warning. It's actually the greatest news in the universe. Because you don't have to live another day outside of the ark. Being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. We haven't seen Christ and this generation may not pass away. We may be in the last days. We may see the clouds part and the trumpets blast. We may see that. 
in reverent fear. That's important. There was something different about Noah. Noah had a revelation of who God was. Noah understood the holiness of God. He constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And by this he condemned the world. And that word condemned means to distinguish for judgment. It's interesting. What Noah did by the life that he lived, Noah drew a line in the sand and he said, righteousness is on this side, sinfulness is on that side. He lived a life that drew that line. He condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. The call of God on each of our lives is to live like Noah. To live today in the reality of the warning that we have, but also in the reality of the God in whom we believe. I want to finish with these verses, and then I have a challenge to leave everybody with. Second Peter. Second Peter speaks a little bit about Noah. But very prominently in Second Peter, I'll start at verse 4, but we'll work our way down to verse 5. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. Verse 5, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah. The word preserved is huge. In a sinful world, in a wicked world, in a violent, corrupt world world, God preserved Noah. That brings me great joy this morning. And I want to pass that on to you, everybody in this room that, what, what did we speak about last week? The gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus. But he preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. And so the message this morning is the same as it was in Noah's day, same as it was at the time of Jesus. There is a flood coming but God has provided a way out and that way is by the ark and Noah lived 120 years proclaiming that truth he lived that truth every hammer, every nail he lived that truth and that's the call of God on each one of our lives that's the challenge that comes to us Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the truth of Jesus Christ. I thank you for the free gift of salvation. I thank you, Father, that although we might look at news headlines and although we we could be filled with anxiety and despair. Father, we have a hope that transcends this world. And that hope is a person. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. 
We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.